welcome to the I'm With Her podcast. I'm Izzy and along with my co-host Cal, I'm on a mission to make hard truths a little easier to hear because we believe it might just help you, our lovely listeners, feel a bit less alone. Sensitive, hysterical, emotional. I'm with her turns these tropes about women on their head. These are conversations women don't have enough of, either because we don't know how or it's just too embarrassing. But we think talking about this stuff can change the way we see ourselves, and sometimes that's the most important thing. In this episode, we'll be discussing gaslighting and a virus that isn't COVID, as well as introducing a new feature called 60 Second Rant, where one of us just lets rip for a full, glorious minute about whatever is most grinding our gears. And we'll give you a glimpse into the darkest recesses of our souls in Thursday Confessions. I'm not perfect and neither is Izzy, so let's talk it out. So yes, we've been taking, we took a couple of weeks break from the podcast just to realign ourselves. Oh, I hate it when people use that word <laughs> at work. Just need to feel, I feel like we need to realign. Anyway, but that's what we've been doing, realigning. <laughs> and the group has grown so much this last couple of weeks. So thank you so much and welcome to all of our new members. Um, I'm equally excited invigorated and terrified of the responsibility. Um, I really want to make sure that this space stays really supportive and kind and genuine, um, which it is. It's just full of women all over the world with with different opinions and different life experiences, and that's what makes it such a rich space on the internet to be. Um, so I take it on um, enthusiastically and uh, can't wait to get to know the new members better over the next few weeks. Um, so apart from all of this, how have the last few weeks been since we last spoke? Since we drifted <laughs> apart as people? I feel like I haven't seen you in ages. I love that we went from not knowing each other to now speaking to each other every single day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we flipped it around today. So um, we are now recording first thing in the morning in Australia with me and it's late at night for Cal, which you could probably tell from... I think I've got a bit of a morning voice, <clears throat> a little bit croaky. Um, Husky so jazz ex- singer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So excuse that a little bit. Um, but I did want to show you, um, for those people who haven't been to Australia and um, think the same as I did when I first came here, I thought the whole island was just red sand and beaches. Um, it is not. It is very cold down here in Victoria. And I got on my bike this morning to cycle to the studio to record, and it said feels like zero degrees so there it is in real life no I know it's not the Australia that I came for I always say I came to Australia for the weather and they just look at me with pity and tell me that I went to the wrong state (laughs) so it's bloody freezing here but that's fine is it like Um, is it your winter time at the moment is that is that what's going on yes it's always like this no, okay. it's winter time. It's not like an Arctic tundra that nobody talks about. <laughs> no, um, a couple of years ago we had 42 degree days and bushfires, oh which was terrifying. Yeah, yeah. so um, it, it vacillates between the yeah. two. Yeah, we'll take the chilly temps. That sounds nice. <laughs> That's more my, my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, totally true. Um, so, yes, yeah, so... What that that that's that. Moving on. <laughs> my brain my brain is not working. I am cold. Um I have my birthday coming up. So Yeah, that's good. And uh I tell people that I'm not that bothered about it. Because I don't think I am. But and I'm sensitive ha- but here. No, I I hate I'm just very aware that like age 
is such an issue for a lot of people and people worry about turning older. And I try not to add to the narrative because I do think that that's kind of like our internalized ageism coming out uh, a little bit. And I know that whenever anybody that's 22 tells me, oh, my God, I'm 23, I'm getting so old, I just want to. I don't condone violence, but I just no, want to give them a little not. elbow, <laughs> yeah. uh, elbow in the boob. Just a wee bit. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, um, be Because actually getting older is so fantastic. I would not go backwards. I absolutely wouldn't. No. I am. Uh, I love myself in my 30s more than I ever have done in my life. And for some reason, 32 has always been an age where I've always thought that it's just such a cool age. Like. Yeah. You know, I've got experience in my career and like, and I don't have kids yet. And I just feel like I'm at a, like a really exciting point of my life where I can choose to do whatever I want to do, you know, despite the fact that the world's shitting itself in a complete <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, everything's crumbling. But you know, otherwise, <laughs> the future's bright. I have, I have lots of opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually really excited for the year that is approaching. Good. I'm really excited for you. And I remember 32 vaguely from the many years ago that it was me. Um, And it was a really good year. 32 is a good year. I think it's just that comfortable sport when you're you're into your 30s, but you're not kind of seeing the end of it coming. Um, Yeah. Yes. You make a very good point. I think every age that you are, you always think, oh, my God, this is so awful. I can't believe I'm this old. And then, of course, in the blink of an eye, it's 10 years later. And you're like, oh, okay, that was quite young. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think so much of it is to do with the way that society treats us. So um, I think 32 for a woman is still, you know, you're not so young that people just put you aside as some silly girl. Yeah, but your eggs are still viable, so you're still there for the for the purpose of reproduction, yeah. as we all are, aren't we? Lol. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I am able to stand up for myself more and make take up space in a room and demand things and have the confidence to say what I want and why I want it and not to think that that I'm just being naive or silly or something like that I don't know I just feel like I have a lot I can stand up tall and still yeah. you know like that sort of real that just that's that power pose isn't it yeah, really yeah, I feel like power pose. I, yeah I feel like I'm there in my life and I can dress however I like to and it's still acceptable I know that's really bad but like you you know you just have the best of both worlds I think yeah no I completely agree and you know I, I really have enjoyed reaching the end of my 30s I've for the most part, I have really enjoyed my 30s for exactly the reasons that you've talked about. I think it is that that sweet spot. Um, you know, you've come out of your 20s, you've got a bit more maturity and, um, you know, a, a bit more sort of lessons learned through life, but actually still at the point where there is so much opportunity for what you can do in any direction. So it's it's an exciting time. It really is. She said yeah. mournfully with one tear rolling down her cheek. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want really people feel bad about getting old. I get it, Izzy. I get it. I, I know. <laughs> So anyone that I have triggered today, <laughs> yeah. I apologise. <laughs> at the beginning, it's all right. <laughs> so yes, um, that's all, what I've been thinking about. Also, um, I played tennis the other day. Oh yeah, so a yeah, regular appearance for you. How'd it go? Probably, probably my third or fourth time in my life. Oh really? Um, yeah. So I mean, I think if I ever invite you to come and play tennis with you. I think it would be in your interest to 
to decline because okay. I just I just hit the ball as really hard in all different directions, which is great for me. It's so satisfying, you know, when you hit that sweet spot, and it just goes ping. Oh, but it just it just means that the person I'm playing with is just running around, okay, being well, a ball boy basically. I've got a solution for you, and I think you're going to like this one. I think you should play tennis with my dog Charlie because I think that would be the best. <gasps> You'd make a Labrador very happy. And I would make oh you very happy God. because there'd be a Labrador there. So everyone's a winner, right? Oh, my God. That Dog actually tennis. made my heart fill. <laughs> her face that is lit such... Up. Oh, I definitely want to do that. <laughs> Yay. Right. Okay, we're going to do that. Okay, enough about me. How are you? Tell me what's happening well, in Kaylee world. This is going to make you feel quite bad now because, funnily enough, I've been really facing my own mortality quite a lot over the last couple of weeks. So I don't want to make you feel bad about yourself, but you probably should after all the things that you've just said about being <laughs> 32 and on the cusp of blossoming into your exciting life of adventures because I found loads of white hairs. So I have always, because my I have got loads of streaks of kind of blonder hair and reddish hair, it's quite hard to find the ones that are actually white. Um, no, they've started to become more apparent and more abundant. Um, and I'm really, really starting to feel conflicted about it because I don't, and I have never particularly cared about my looks. I'm not vain at all. And I've never been worried about getting older. But middle age is kind I'm of so vain. Yeah, what's, I'm a, really what's a non-vain existence feel like? This I have thing. no idea. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like being a gelatinous blob. Um, yeah, you know, I've never, I don't know, I've never really been that bothered about it. I've always been excited about getting older, particularly because I am blessed and cursed with kind of a baby face in a lot of ways, although you probably not anymore because I'm quite haggard. Um, but I've got kind of like a cute face and I'm quite little <laughs> and I've got little childlike hands. So people do literally still pat me on the head sometimes. Um, <gasps> yeah, yeah. No, they do not. Yeah, who thinks do. it's okay to do that? The same people who lean on your head and go, oh, you're just the right size, which I love. Um, so I've oh always been quite infantilised because of my size and because of my little apple cheeks. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but suddenly, as I'm facing, like, the menopause and, you know, probably not retirement, let's be honest, but I, I've become quite scared of becoming... <laughs> infirm and scared of what my life's going to be like when my kids leave the home and you know what it'll be like when I get older and it it's just been bizarre because of course I'm also simultaneously terrified at the idea that I won't get old because it's really important to me that I get to see my kids through their childhood so yeah I've had this whole spiral recently and I worked out where it's come from right and funnily enough, it isn't your fault, is he? Don't worry. So I was out in person um, a couple of weekends ago um, and I found myself suddenly hit with this really weird protective urge to go and sweep up all the teenage girls that were tottering around the streets a little bit drunk, quite obviously like 15, 16, you know, they're underage. Um, no, well. And makeup. Yeah, exactly. And we've all been there, even I, you know, even I, um, you know, tottering around with their little skirts on and they were all cold and you could see their legs going blue and they were all kind of reeking of really cheap booze. And I ended up in a queue behind them at the Boba Tea stand because Brighton. And a couple of them were sort of talking about whether or not they were going to get into the club and whether or this guy was there and if he liked one of them or if he liked the other one and all this kind of thing. And, and I just got to thinking about myself at 15 and I just thought, what was I like? Was I like this? I don't, you know, because it, it, almost when you're confronted with it, you're not sure whether it was that bad when you were a teenager. So I dug yeah. out my old diaries because that's what, of course, you should do. And oh, <laughs> oh my fucking God, I am I am so thankful for growing older, regardless of the grey hairs, regardless of the back twinges. 15 
it's fucking intense. So yeah, Izzy, when you say you wouldn't go back, I wouldn't either. I would not be 15 again for the world. Oh. Um, will you tell us what you found in some of your diary? <laughs> Do you know what? I will. And you can cut it out. So don't worry. But this, this is the one. <laughs> this is entitled The Secret Diary of Kaylee Williams, which is my old name before I uh, changed my name. Uh, so this one, funnily enough, like I've got a little bookmark in there. I'll just show it to Izzy. So you can see it's, oh, you probably can't because of the light, but it's all scrawled <laughs> like a madman. In, it's all in capital letters, this diary entry, and it's in red. Oh my goodness, uh, that's so intense. So intense. So the date of this <laughs> is May 1996. So I am okay. like 14. Um, yeah, I'm 14, just about to turn 15, a week after this diary entry. So hormones, Okay. I will give you, <laughs> I will give you one little excerpt. Okay. <sighs> well, it's happened. I've fallen in the teenage equivalent of love. And I'm not talking about fancying. I mean, the closest thing a teenager can get to love. <laughs> it's weird. It almost physically hurts. It's made my chest tighter. And sometimes I can just sit and dream for hours. The stupidest songs seem to mean something that they didn't before. And I feel like crying. It's like I have fucking PMT every day. The stupid thing is, A, I'm not going out with him. And B, he probably wouldn't ever go out with me in a million years. If I don't see him by next weekend, I may never get with him. No, that's wrong. I don't want to get with him. <laughs> I don't want to pull him. I want to be with him. I want to smell him. <laughs> Wait, I want to smell him on my clothes. So it feels like so it feels like he's a part of me. And I want him to look at me in such a way that I can feel it on my skin. I know this is sounds so stupid. And I, more than anyone, I'm so acutely aware of teenagers becoming stupidly infatuated. But this, no. <laughs> this is true. This is word for word. This, no, it's not explainable. And I can't. And I don't want to. It only makes it more immature and significant. And then this is my favourite bit. Yes, oh. it's Duncan. And the moment I, And the moment I started to love him is when... It's when he told me about stabbing his stepfather. <laughs> okay, hang on. Yes, yes, <gasps> And the moment I started to love him is when he told me about stabbing his stepfather in the arm and being put into care and the look in his eyes when Sandra dumped him. He looked so oh my God. and betrayed. I couldn't describe it to you if I wanted to. And then I wrote a poem. <laughs> If I look at you, will you feel it? Will you know what goes on deep in me? That a thousand songs are singing, that I'm drowning in the sea. <laughs> and if you look at me, will you hear it? The beating heart, the ever pounding bass. And if you would only look at me closer, you would see it's on my face. <laughs> You're a genius, (laughs) right? That is a genuine genuine entry from a 14-year-old girl with delusions of grandeur that was desperately in love with a boy who I was correct and I never did get with him. Um, So there we go. Get with him? I don't want to (laughs) pull him. I don't want to get with him. I want to smell his skin. (laughs) Oh my god! It's so beautifully like what I love about it is that you're actually 
you're so self-aware. Like you're already saying teenagers. Yeah, I'm such a twat. Aware of like <laughs> of, of what teenagers are supposed to be, or oh, it's just beautiful. It's, it's meta beautiful. before meta was a thing. Um, but like, I'm yeah. I am slightly. I was a bit concerned when you went into the whole. I'm attracted to him because he stabbed someone, and then I realised it was the hurt and the, the betrayal, and the betrayal, and that. That his girlfriend hadn't stuck by him through this obviously challenging time. It was a very challenging time. And you I don't know we need to change the names, do we? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, Duncan. Yeah. If you're listening. This is awkward. <laughs> Um, yeah, I actually had a crush on a Duncan too. Maybe I, it's the same one. Maybe it is. Well, we'll dig into that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, so that's me. Um, and now you know all of me. <laughs> and now you're fine with being older because fuck being back there. <laughs> fuck being 15-year-old Kaylee, heavens above. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that so much. I enjoyed that so much. <laughs> Stopwatches at the ready. It's our 60-second rant. So, often as women, as humans, we feel so much rage, but we don't have an outlet for it. So, Cal and I are angry women, and we have a solution for you. We're going to do one whole minute to say whatever the fuck you want. So, Cal, go for it. I want to talk about two powerful figures in entertainment with two very different stories. Bill Cosby, funny man, and, well, you know, serial rapist who drugged, assaulted and traumatised over 60 women. Britney Spears, an entertainer broken by the intense pressures of early fame. One is in a prison and the other is free. Can you guess which is which? On the same day, Cosby was released on a technicality after serving just two years of a 10-year sentence. A judge ruled 39-year-old Britney can't be released from the conservatorship which has removed her financial, social, sexual and reproductive freedoms for over a decade. What the fuck, Izzy? A week earlier, Britney had called for an end to this abusive arrangement. She said, I am not crazy. I am not happy. I've been in denial. I am traumatised. I am angry. I want to be free. Yet she is still not free. But you know who is right? A serial rapist. So you tell me that women are equal in this society when even one of the most recognisable women in the world can be drugged, forced to work, prevented from having control over her finances and reproductive rights. You tell me that sexual assault survivors find support in the system supposed to protect does when the voices of more than 60 women are still not heard to paraphrase britney women are angry women are traumatized women are not free how did i do boom <laughs> that was so good <laughs> that was so great so gross <sighs> okay i'm fine brilliant did i bring it in at about a minute because i had it at one minute one second i was so excited i forgot i forgot <laughs> is this like when you're, when you're a kid and you're like i can run really fast and they're like yes you did it in 30 seconds really <laughs> just five and a half minutes there <laughs> yeah. um i'll speed it up to Ooh. fit it into a minute and you'll just be like what the fuck <laughs> we get <laughs> who would know the difference <laughs> i think it was perfect that was bloody great Okay, so Izzy, one of our wonderful community members started a topic recently about gaslighting in relationships. Yes, for those of you who haven't heard the term before, gaslighting is, or I suppose there's a lot of people that I think hear it at the moment. It's such a buzzword, yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah. know if we, we really know what it means. And I think we need to use it correctly because it's a pretty serious thing. It's a form of emotional abuse that's very often seen in abusive relationships. It's the act of manipulating a person by forcing them to question their thoughts, memories and the events occurring around them. Is it something that's just in sort of normal romantic relationships or does this sort of thing happen across different areas of your life, would you say? So anybody can 
um, be a gaslighter, and but it can happen. It happens very much in romantic relationships, but it can happen in friendships. It can happen at work. Your managers can do it, and we even see it in politicians sometimes too. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you can have high self-esteem and still find yourself in a relationship with someone who gaslights you because being around someone for a long period of time like this can it sort of slowly chips away and it can reduce you to experience these toxic behaviors and down the rabbit hole of the gaslit life you go so the types of people that will gaslight anybody can gaslight but it is tied to the the social disorders sociopaths and narcissists so sociopaths will do it to get something from someone and narcissists will do it to get someone to be dependent on them. And I think the reason we'll probably focus more on on the romantic side of the, on the romantic relationships and how it manifests in there is because it can often be the most isolating version of being gaslit. If you're being gaslit in a group, um, you're sort of experiencing as a group, but in your romantic relationship, so much of it is about isolating you from other people and um, and therefore can have sort of a more detrimental effect on your mental health. Well, it's, you know, I suppose that's the most intimate type of gaslighting, I would imagine, you know, other than sort of parent and child, that relationship is so dependent on each other. Yeah, that would make that would make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, victims of gaslighting can be pushed so far that they question their own sanity. Uh, so this is the bit that I, I did a bit of research about because I have not that long ago kind of really become familiar with the term gaslighting. Um, and I didn't really realise where it came from. So, of course, I did what I would always do, which is go and do a load of research. And I, I don't know if you knew this, but it comes from a, a film in the 1930s called Gaslight. Um, it was well, actually, I think it was a, a, a book or a thriller or something in the 30s and then it got made yeah. into a film in the 40s. In that film, a husband manipulates his wife into believing that she can't trust her own perceptions of reality. So the scene that we're talking about, the reason why it's called gaslight, is that he causes all the gaslights in the house to flicker. Um, but when his wife sort of says, well, you know, why are they flickering? He insists it's not happening and that it's all in her head, which causes her to, of course, doubt her sanity. Hence, the term gaslighting was born. Yes. And and most of us have been gaslit at some point in our lives. Um making it really important to learn how to spot this technique because it is a technique and um, those who use it actually kind of can use it down to a fine art. Um, We need to learn how to shut it down and we need to learn how to minimise the psychological impact that it can have on our lives. And I think, you know, at this point, and, and obviously we will say this all the way through, it's really important to remember that gaslighting can happen to anyone and it can be carried out by anyone, you know, and I think it's really important not to blame yourself for that. Um, as as I've been going through sort of a process over the last few months, I've come to realise that I, I had a former boss who, uh, you know, who, who gaslit me quite significantly. Um, what she did was was very disastrous for my mental health at a point where my mental health was already not good. Um, it can be very devastating, and particularly when that person is in a position of authority or a position of power to you or you're dependent on that person. So again, it's not your fault. Anybody can find themselves in that position. Um, but let's talk a bit about kind of how can you how can you recognise gaslighting is happening? What are the telltale signs, Izzy? Okay, so I'm going to list out a few things. And if any of them resonate with you, it's an indication that you might have been involved in a gaslighting relationship. So when if you ask yourself, am I too sensitive many times a day? Uh, or you often feel confused and even crazy in the relationship. You're always apologising. You can't understand why you aren't happier. 
You frequently make excuses for that person's behavior and your partner, often isolating you further from your family by not wanting to tell them what's happening to sort of protect your partner and your relationship. You know that something is wrong, but you just don't know what. You can't quite put your finger on it. You might start lying to avoid put-downs and reality twists. You have trouble making simple decisions. This can often be because you're worried about being criticized by your partner for making the wrong one. Mm. And uh, you wonder if you're good enough for that person. I think it's really important to know that in these relationships, especially with sociopaths and narcissists, they don't start this relationship with you with with all of these toxic behaviours and all of these abusive traits. What they'll do is they will actually bring you into sort of a bit of a false sense of security. Signs of that will be somebody complimenting you a lot, telling you um, all of these wonderful things about you and how you're different to other people, how you might be different to their exes, um, and saying how their exes might be crazy. What they're doing is they're actually prepping you to make you feel like you have to fulfill um, this other behaviours, you know, the cool, relaxed girlfriend um, that isn't the crazy one. Mm -hmm. And so as things start to deteriorate down the line, your need to increase your ways of normalising this behaviour and protecting this behaviour from that person is your need to prove to your partner that you're not one of the crazy ones as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think it's also important to remember that the people do become gaslighters for different reasons, um, you know, and very often people who are gaslighters will often have grown up around an atmosphere where that is quite normal, but normalised behaviour. So they'll, it is a learned behaviour, a learned skill, if you like. Um, you know, people will use it as a way of controlling a relationship or, or stopping conflict as well as to helping them sort of feel in charge. And again, that doesn't always come from a place of, 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 of badness. That often comes from a place that they themselves haven't learned another way to deal with that. Um, you know, it can, of just as course, uh, gaslighting people could be a way to deflect responsibility, as well as, of course, those more malicious intentions, you know, such as to tear somebody down. Um, you know, and all the while, exactly as you said, it's this kind of keeping them almost hooked on trying to be this person for them, trying to be this perfect person. So they kind of keep them in this constant state of high alert and hypervigilance and, and trying to bring those behaviours up, um, you know, trying to make sure that they can please that other person. So, you know, I think there are many reasons why somebody can be gaslit. And there are also many reasons why somebody might become a gaslighter. Um, but I think the really important thing is to be able to pick out some of those, um, you know, like we've talked about, some of those key indicators as to, to where there may be some alarm bells ringing. Um, and also, Izzy, I gather that there are sort of, you know, quite common phrases and, and things that gaslighters say that I think we should probably run through a little bit to give people a bit of an idea of, of what to listen out for, what to look out for. Yeah, absolutely. And this is great that there's a tool. I mean, it's kind of sad and weird and also good that there are so many sort of um almost catchphrases of you gaslighter yeah yeah <laughs> whenever someone says to you them to you you can maybe can think about if am i being gas in this situation so i'll run through them you're so sensitive you know that's just because you're so insecure stop acting crazy or you sound crazy you know that don't you you're just paranoid you just love trying to throw me off track I was joking. Oh, yeah. The old classic. <laughs> oh, classic. You're making that up. It's no big deal. You're imagining things. You're overreacting. You are always so dramatic. Don't get so worked up. That never happened. You know you don't remember things clearly. There's no pattern or you're seeing a pattern that is not there. You're hysterical. 
There you go again. You are so ungrateful. Nobody believes you. Why should I? So I think, you know, as we're running through all of those kind of common phrases and, and the ways that a gaslighter might chip away at your confidence and, and undermine your foundations, make you question whether or not you can remember something properly or, or, or whether you are a bit crazy, um, it can be very difficult to get yourself out of that dynamic. It, it really can, but it is possible. And so obviously the key thing, the antidote to gaslighting is to have as much emotional awareness and regulation as you can. So when you're around a gaslighter, you just need to make sure that you are very careful at listening to what they're saying and doing around you pay attention to all those fine details you need to really believe in yourself and your perception of reality what you know to be true because they will try and undermine that so there are also a few things that you can say in response to some of these key phrases that we've talked about so you know with the, with the classic oh it was just a joke which we I'm sure we've all been kind of palmed off with it's absolutely fine to say I, I understand that you thought it was a joke but actually it was very hurtful you're putting it out there, you're not being, you know, you're not being confrontational, but you are not allowing them to continue to spin this line. Um, if they if they kind of disparage your feelings in some way, you know, you're too hysterical, you're too emotional, you're too sensitive. It's absolutely fine to say my feelings, are my feelings, this is just how I feel. Um, and the same with, you know, this is my experience. These are my emotions. They're, they're just as valid as yours. Um, and I think the other one is that it's also worth wherever you can just being able to kind of bring them to the same level and say, well, you know, you seem to feel very strongly about this. I feel very strongly about it too. So, you know, let's just kind of agree on, on, on this. So I think it's just about kind of really where you can gently pushing back, gently challenging if it's safe to do so, if you're in a safe position to do so. But it's also really important more than anything else to remember that you are being gaslit, to remember that there are details that you will be told haven't occurred or things that you've said that you haven't said or vice versa. And it's okay to remember to trust yourself because they are deliberately trying to make you not. Yes. And if you recognize any of this from your own relationships with somebody, please know that you are not alone. It can happen to anyone. We've said it before, but it really is true. It can happen to anyone. We're here to support you. And the other thing um, that I have seen surrounding this so much is the shame that women carry with them going back to or entertaining or apologizing to their gaslighter. It's okay. It's really okay that you've done that. These examples of how to behave will never just be learnt um, and executed perfectly every time. Like change isn't linear like that. Be kinder to yourself and we're here for you no matter what, without judgment. Right, we got this. Let's do some science and her health. Mm-mm. Yes. On our Facebook group, we have a hashtag her health section on Tuesdays where people can discuss or ask any advice or information about a health-related topic. Thanks so much to the member of our community who brought a really taboo topic to the group that rarely gets talked about, even amongst close friends, which is why Cal and I want to talk about sexual health and in particular, genital herpes, also known as HSV2. Is that how you'd say it? Yeah, HSV2. Um, It sounds like a high-speed rail, right? (laughs) The thing is, there's so much stigma around herpes, despite the fact that it is actually incredibly common, which is why Izzy and I think that we need to open up this discussion. So I'm going to hit you with some facts to get us started. Some facts about herpes. Tell her research. Oh, yeah. So HSV2, which like HSV1, which is the cold sore one, is actually incredibly common, right? 
It doesn't actually cause any major health issues and can be quite easily managed, which means that it's not routinely tested when you take an STI test. That's important to remember. So HSV2 or herpes is usually diagnosed for those who experience symptoms. Um, the symptoms can be quite mild, but the first outbreak is generally quite painful and usually comes with kind of cold or flu-like symptoms. Um, a lot of people won't have symptoms, but you can take a blood test, which provides an indication of whether or not you have uh, HSV2 or not. The blood tests aren't perfect, though, and um, but they can show that you've, you've been exposed to something. Uh, however, they can take up to about 18 weeks after contracting it um, to, to come up on those tests. So it's very important to remember that. Uh, they are very similar to a cold sore. So anybody out there who's had a cold sore, it's a very similar feeling. Um, many people can detect that infectious period prior to the symptoms, that tingle that people with cold sores will recognise, uh, except that obviously it's a, it's a tingle down below. Um, you can take medication early to prevent an outbreak or at least kind of minimise the severity of that outbreak. And of course, some people can take suppressant medication more regularly. So if you want to kind of keep that, keep that suppressed. Um, there is actually quite a lot of uh, studies that have been done into the infection rate between partners, if, if you're worried about that. Uh, one long-term study of long-term partners where only one of the people was positive showed that when the proper precautions were taken, it takes about an average of 15 years before the other partner contracts the virus. So it can be managed, it, it can be protected against. Um, and as I say, there are a lot of preventative medications out there to help reduce those outbreaks. Uh, when we talk about taking precautions, obviously, we do mean condoms. And when you're having a flare up, it is recommended that you don't have sex during that period because you are at your most infectious. Uh, so that's my that's my top tips, uh, top facts about uh, herpes. <laughs> Statistically speaking, pretty much everybody knows someone who has had herpes, but most people don't talk about it. According to Janelle Marie Davis, who is founder of the SED Project, um, which is an organization that has workshops and is, is a community that you can take part in, in an attempt to sort of over overcome the the shame, dismantling the stigma and how they put it, reclaiming your narrative. Um, they say that a, re a really big reason why people don't discuss it is because the stigma of herpes and other STDs carry. And as a result, society betrays people with sexually transmitted infection as dirty and promiscuous. And being promiscuous is a bad thing. Okay. <laughs> this, because of this shame, you know, disclosing to potential partners is often cited as one of the hardest parts of dealing with this condition. But of course, and not to sound like your nana, but it's really important that you do disclose anything that could impact your sexual partner. Um, and that's why we really need to get rid of this this taboo and the stigma. Um, so obviously, you know, regardless of the, the moral imperative to tell somebody if you have an STD, um, it is actually illegal to have sex with somebody without disclosing a positive STD test um, in a number of places across the world. So you know, you should you should do that anyway because it's it's the right thing to do, but it also could could land you in jail and people have been prosecuted for it, and quite rightly so. Um so as we've said, herpes is not dangerous in itself, but it can have health consequences if it's left untreated and somebody becomes pregnant. Um, so gentle herpes, just to reassure you, doesn't put somebody at higher risk of miscarriage, for example, um, but it can be passed on to babies during pregnancy and it actually can cause quite a serious uh, neonatal illness called neonatal herpes. Um, that condition is rare. Uh, but the risks are highest if you get a new infection in your third trimester, so in the last part of pregnancy, or within six weeks of having your baby. Uh, so if you are pregnant and you think that you might have contracted genital herpes or you are sexually active with somebody who might have, please give your midwife or your doctor a shout straight away. They won't judge you and actually it would just put your mind at rest. 
Yes, the simple fact is that people get infections all the time and no one shames them or says that they deserve it or they're disgusting or dirty as a result. So why should the fact that someone have an infection as a result of being sexually active be treated any differently? It's Confess Thursday. Grace yourselves. (laughs) I will not sing that again, I promise. No, I loved it. I loved it. It's all going in the musical. It's all going in the musical mix. Okay, right. Brace yourselves, everybody. It's time for Confess Thursdays. For those of us who don't know what this is, every episode, Izzy and I tell the world an uncomfortable truth about ourselves. We do this as a way of connecting to other women and helping people feel less alone. Plus, we rid ourselves of the shame women all too often carry around. Cal, do you want to start this week? Yes, I do. Okay, so I'm going to set the scene for you. I'm walking along. I'm going to collect my son from nursery, my little one. And you've got the the smell of the kind of the rain on the hot pavements and the birds are all singing because it's coming to the end of the day. Um, And I'm walking along and I'm listening to my music, ready to go and pick up my son. Um, Across the other side of the road, I spy probably a 14-year-old boy and he's wearing a little pair of shorts. He's got his like little skinny teenage boy legs with his little knobbly knees and his little skinny teenage boy arms and his little scruffy <laughs> hair and he's sort of schlepping along the road all gangly like a sort of little baby deer and he looks quite like my oldest son in a few years time. He kind of had a quality about him that reminded me of, of my older uh, kid um, I found myself sort of wistfully, <laughs> wistfully staring at this boy as I'm walking, thinking about my son and how much I love him and, you know, how he's getting older <laughs> and the fact that his teenage years are coming because he's going to high school in September and, and kind of filled with this nostalgia for the time that was and this joy at the man he's becoming. And this guy walked uh, past me on the opposite side of the street and I gave him a little smile. A smile of kind of like, you know, you go, you know, live your life, you know, you're young and I'm so proud of you, whoever you are, and I hope you're loved. And exactly, you know, all of that horrible mum stuff and, you know, wear a pair of trousers because your knees look cold. Um, And he he kind of, you know, to be fair, he sort of smiled back at me. It, It was a quite a nice interaction. That's not the story. The story actually is, as I carried on walking and it suddenly hit me. If, I'd, if the genders had been reversed in that, right, and I'd been a 39-year-old man staring at a 14-year-old girl, that girl probably, A, would have been terrified. Uh, I know I probably would have been as a 14-year-old if some old dude on the other side of the road was just staring and smiling at me. The guy yes. could be accused of behaving inappropriately. Again, you know, the girl, and quite, and quite understandably and quite rightly, could feel very threatened and very exposed by that behaviour, regardless of what the impetus behind it was. And I... I realised that I don't sometimes acknowledge enough how difficult it must be sometimes to move through the world as a man in these kind of situations. We talk a lot about male privilege. I think this is one where we have to take it on the chin, ladies. We're allowed to stare at little boys in a creepy way and nobody cares. <laughs> cut, cut that bit, it's cut true. That bit. We spend so much time talking about spaces that women aren't able to go into or, or that they're difficult for women to exist in. But being around children is something that men are not invited into without hesitation or without a, a, a conversation. And um, that's really sad. It's My partner and I do a bit of video work and we film at events and I run around with the camera and I jump in front of children and I get them to wave and I'll, you know, film them jumping on the jumping castle, jumping castle in Australia, not bouncy castle, weird. (laughs) Anyway, um, and I, I I won't even think about getting in people's faces and he will always 
feel like he needs kind of like more professional gear yeah. to make sure that he looks like a professional who's been given permission to it's film people to that, yeah. or he just won't do it at all and he'll just give me the camera and I'll have to do it. It was it was a really sobering experience and I think particularly, you know, because I, I do spend, I'm not going to lie, I do spend a lot of time uh, acknowledging the fact that there are restrictions on women's behavior you know around the world and the challenges that 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 presents to women uh, and the struggles that we still have and and it is also really important to remember that there are there are challenges as well um to, to being a man whether you're a you know a cisgendered straight white man there are still challenges here um, of course. And, and let's acknowledge those uh and 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 recognize our privilege um as well because it is you know it is lovely to be able to just interact with kids and you know i i've quite happily give my friend's daughter a, a kiss on the top of her head i i can't imagine my husband would do that because he would he would worry that that would make them uncomfortable and uh you know all of those kind of things so and who would have thought that at 39 people still give you a little kiss on the top a of little head. pat on their head <laughs> that's because i'm a munchkin it's great <laughs> right okay so that's it that's enough about me and my creepy staring at teenage boys um oh. what's your confession what's going on in your soul i think i'm gonna get a lot of hate for this one Ooh, i'm ready for it Go i'll on. take it on the chin all my friends are pregnant and it sucks. Okay, take me through. Take me through what you mean. <laughs> okay, so of course I'm overwhelmingly happy for all of them. Of I'm really, really happy for them, of course. <laughs> that goes without saying. And I hope if they're listening, they know that, of course. But no, it got me thinking about how so many of my friends have suddenly got pregnant. Uh, it feels suddenly to me. I don't think it's been sudden for them, but <laughs> no. not undermining their experiences at all. Um, but um, sort of one or two people from each friendship group that I have is pregnant. And um, that <laughs> this is so selfish, but that's going to affect everybody's life in the friendship group that's going to change the way that we interact the things that we do together and um you know suddenly those weekends away aren't so easy to organize or or they're unable to be part of it especially in the early years of of the of the child being around so I'm having to kind of go through this moment of actually mourning a little bit for the friendships that I know exist in the way that they do today um and I am a little bit sad because I'm not ready for it. I, everybody knows that I am absolutely not ready to have children and don't know if I want to at all at any point in my life. And so I, there's still so many th- – I'm sort of still living in that non-kid way mm-hmm. and want to continue doing so. And um, I feel sad that my friends who are having babies aren't going to be part of that with me because I want them to be part of that. So that yes. all, all makes perfect sense and you know it's, it's such a common such a common reaction you know particularly in kind of close friendship groups and it does seem to happen quite a lot doesn't it that everybody kind of it's like dominoes everybody gets pregnant all at the same time um yeah it's it's, it's a funny one because I actually sit on the other side of the coin I, I was the first person in all of our friendship groups to um have a child I actually had a child quite young uh, particularly by today's standards um and it and I remember really worrying about that from the other side, really worrying that my friends would feel isolated from me, that, you know, they wouldn't want to include me in these exciting things because, the, as you've recognised, the chances are, particularly in those early years, I, I probably wouldn't be able to, to join in. Um, so, you know, and I know that, that that was also going on in their heads as well, but from the other side. So it wasn't something that was particularly acknowledged or spoken about because because I was the first. But definitely as 
more and more um, of the group started to have kids, um, that became far more recognised and acknowledged on both sides because actually it is really hard to be on either side of that. Um, yeah. And, and exactly for the reasons that you've talked about, you, you as a new parent will mourn the loss of that independence and that and that freedom to have those relationships and they will come back, but certainly they will be, you know, they will have to change different. a little bit. Different, exactly. Yeah. They'll always be different and that's okay. Like that is, that's the step that they're taking towards. And I think what I'm going to try and do is keep up my communication and say, even though I overtly go, ugh, kids, no thanks. <laughs> I, if they are having children and I care about them, I care about their children and I want to be around their children and experience that with them. And yeah. and so I want to be invited to the child events not all of them you know you, I know that you need your you need, the, you, you need your child so who's creepy now huh <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she wants to be invited to loads of children's events and we don't know why got the same IQ as you got the same IQ as me that's why yeah. um, you'll be on the jumping house <laughs> the jumping house yes um and but yeah like I, I appreciate that you know wanting to have uh, friends who also have babies the same age as you can talk about babies and that sort of thing. But I want to hear about all the baby stuff. I want to hear about everything. I'm an oversharer of information. I want to know all the details if they want to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to be involved. Nipples. But um, yes. But uh, just, yeah, I'm very aware that um, things are going to change now and nobody asked me if I was ready for it to change. <laughs> yeah, nobody asked for permission. <laughs> I think that's all we've got time for. This has been such a lovely way to start my day, even though I have probably tripped over a few words more than normal. <laughs> Although normally I use words that aren't actual real-life words anyway, but, you know, you get me gist. Yeah, and also also the lovely husky voice thing. So we'll, we'll end on a jazz uh, Yes, like. welcome to I'm With Her. <laughs> <laughs> Little Willie's Resurrection. <laughs> um, we are actually we're going on YouTube. YouTube is that how you say it? Yeah, <laughs> sound like such. We are the going on the on the YouTubes. Smash the subscribe button. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you want to see our silly little faces talking to each other animatedly. then you can watch us on YouTube. Oh, some of the highlights at least, um, which is cool. I will give you more information about that when I know it. <laughs> um, You're in safe hands. Stay with us. <laughs> <laughs> Come into the Facebook group. You post something on there that uh, the group really vibes with. It might appear on the podcast. Yay, exciting. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. That's all I can say now. I need oh to God. go and do a full day at work. You're so Help. youthful. Yeah. Help. Yeah. Um, Help. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and all your continued support. We absolutely love um, hearing from you and hearing your stories. Yay. All right, bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs) This podcast has been recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. We take inspiration from the rich history of storytelling within the cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and respect their endless resilience. Yes, Oh, no, you are going to sing it. This is going to be great. Our musical is going to be amazing. I'm with her. Yeah. <laughs>
Anyway, onward. <laughs>